I'm all fired up for this episode. Well, let's hear it then. I'm Claire. And I'm Vince. And this is Friends of Legend. of legend a look into the weird and wonderful critters that we one day hope to meet a bucket list of friends that's a perfect way of putting it today we're going to be talking about the pahoenix i'm sorry just kidding the phoenix (laughs) you got me (laughs) a lot of people have heard the name phoenix but we're going to dive into what it's all about and where it comes from So the phoenix is a magnificent, ever-regenerating, fiery bird that has been praised all over the world for thousands of years. It's very, very old, and it lives for a very, very long time, and it's also highly symbolic and inspiring to people. So you say all over the world. Is there one place that they all came from, or they just kind of spread little spritz of phoenix throughout the world? There are many tales that tell different things. There are some who believe that the phoenix originally migrated from ancient Arabia or India and flew into Egypt, but there's no way of knowing for sure, of course. But to this day, they have called numerous regions home, including Egypt, Greece, the Roman Empire, Persia, Tibet, China, Japan, India. They're all over. But they're best known for their Greek associations or their Greco-Roman associations. Let me start by talking about the origins of the name Phoenix. It's kind of ambiguous because, as I said, they have been in existence for thousands and thousands of years. So historians have come up with different theories as to where the name Phoenix came from. But some of the possible sources came from, for instance, the Mycenaean Greek word ponike, which likely meant griffin, or it could also mean palm tree. And Hmm. then... (laughs) And then there was a West Semitic word for matter, which is a red dye that comes from an herb that's in the coffee plant family. So consider that. And then throw in the word Phoenician, which appears to be from the same root. And that roughly translates to those who work with red dyes. So Phoenix might mean the Phoenician bird or the purplish red bird. It's all just kind of a a jumble of translations and cultures. That's what I had always thought, that it was associated with the the Phoenician civilization. Look at you. Just wicked old. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Tell us what it looks like. All right. So there are different accounts of the physical appearance of the phoenix. Some say that it is eagle-sized. Others say it is the size of an ostrich or bigger. And just imagine... A bird of prey that has plumage of vibrant feathers in reds, purples, yellows. They just look very bright and sun-like. So like the big bird variant from Plaza Sesamo? Yeah, very similar. Maybe not the greens, but oh man, what a brightly colored TV show. Oh, so good. But yeah, a very stunningly bright creature with gorgeous feathers. There are others who say that it has the appearance of a flaming peacock. That's excellent. Yeah. But they're often said to be very large birds of prey, 
Very strong, too. They can grip whole elephants in their claws and fly with them. Sounds like a thunderbird. Except it does. it's a firebird. Yeah, there are people who have made that association with the Native American thunderbird. It is said that their eyes can be either a bright yellow color, a yellow gold, or they can be sparkling blue sapphires. That's pretty. Yeah, very magical. What many of our listeners are probably familiar with is the immortality of the phoenix. Yes, what it is best known for. Yes. The phoenix can live to be 500 years old in its individual lifespans. All right. And then once it becomes roughly 500 years old, it will self-incinerate and then become reborn from the ashes. That's pretty dramatic. Oh, yeah. And very inspiring, a symbol of hope to people all over the world. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the process of the death and rebirth of the phoenix. So according to the ancient Greek poet Hesiod, the phoenix would make a nest or a pyre of cinnamon, sage, and myrrh. Ooh, fragrant. Yeah, they really like their incense aromatics. That's got to smell good when it starts burning. So they make their little nest, and then they clap their wings once, and then it ignites. Fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's quite a sight to see. I've never seen a bird clap its wings, so that that in and of itself would be exciting to right? see. Right? Yeah. I don't think bird wings work that way. Phoenix wings do. Well, that's pretty <laughs> magical. That alone. Mm-hmm. So it will just incinerate and it'll reduce itself to ashes. Some say that it decomposes completely before being reborn, but this is such an uncommon occurrence that it, it's hard to really know. So then, from the ashes, a new phoenix is born. Some say it emerges as a worm, and then it later transforms into a young phoenix. Others say that it appears as a tiny version of a fully formed phoenix, which is super cute. Those are both excellent. The worm turning into the phoenix makes me think of the Chinese myth of the carp turning into a dragon. Oh, yeah. Magikarp. Magikarp. (laughs) Yeah. Something that's unassuming, and it becomes something so grand. So once the new phoenix is born from the ashes of its predecessor, kind of like it's a new body, but old soul, like Avatar. Yeah. That's actually what I thought of the whole time that I was doing my research. It's it's like when the Avatar in Avatar The Last Airbender dies, and then it is immediately reborn as a different person, but with the same sort of energy. So it is said that when the new phoenix is born, it will gather the ashes of the predecessor and place them into an egg of myrrh, somehow. And then they carry the egg to Heliopolis in Egypt and place on the altar of the sun. And the ashes themselves have magical properties, and I'll go into that a little later. So it kind of seems that Heliopolis in Egypt is like the phoenix's home base, because some stories will say that the phoenix will ignite where it is, and then, you know, the new one is born and it flies over. Others say that it will make the sort of pilgrimage to Egypt, to the altar of the sun, to die there. Huh. Yeah, so it's a very sacred place for them. Another thing that the phoenix does right before it ignites itself is that it will emit a woeful cry that is said to provoke thoughts of all the unattainable wishes of all the people in the world and just kind of give everyone at once a sense of deep desire. I'm struggling to imagine anything other than like a goose sound. I can't tell you why. (laughs) Oh man. 
I'm sure it's prettier than that, but who really knows? (laughs) (laughs) So now I want to talk a bit about the powers of the phoenix, besides the obvious, you know, amazing life cycle that makes the phoenix what it is. By many accounts, phoenix tears can heal any wound or illness. But it is also said that phoenixes don't often involve themselves in the matters of men. So unfortunately for us, it's not like it's a fallback for modern medicine, because it seems like a phoenix's presence is rare and you never know when it's going to want to come down and assist you. But I thought that was pretty cool. It would have to be a pretty deliberate action for someone to be healed by phoenix tears, I imagine, because it's not like you can just wave an onion in front of a phoenix. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, if anything, your physical pain must really move the phoenix to make it want to cry over you, over a stranger. So, yeah, I don't think it is a very common occurrence, but I, I really appreciate that the phoenix has done that for people in the past. I think that's really cool. Another cool thing about the phoenix is that when one is nearby, it is said that one cannot tell a lie. I wonder how they figured that out. Right? But probably the strongest of the phoenix's powers that benefits humankind is that that little egg of ashes that a new phoenix makes of its predecessor, it's said that those ashes can resurrect the dead. Whoa. Spicy. Right? So I'm imagining that the embalmers of ancient Egypt would take that egg And they would probably save it for someone of great rank who just died. And then when they're working on sort of cleansing the body, they might apply those ashes and hope for the best. And sounds like it's worked before. Either that or maybe just like they get the expiration date wrong every time. Oh no! You gotta have it ready right for the, right for the dead zone. That's crazy disappointing. Yup. So for obvious reasons... The phoenix has been praised and worshipped by many, many cultures. The ancient Romans adored the phoenix. I know that they put them on their coins, and they also likened themselves to the phoenix. Which, you know, they didn't bounce back so well in the end, but at one time they were strong and mighty, and so they, they figured themselves an immortal legacy. Now, all the legends and mythos of the phoenix really inspired an eccentric young Roman emperor, Elagabalus. That's a fun name. Elagabalus. Yeah. But he wanted to find and eat a phoenix to become immortal. So his servants searched the land and they couldn't find a phoenix because, you know, from all accounts, it seems that they are a rare species. If I had to guess, I would definitely say there's more than one, but they're like wizards, you know? They're elusive and there's not a ton of them because that kind of takes away from some of the magic of them. And they arrive precisely when they mean to. Exactly. So the servants could not find a phoenix. So instead, they brought Elagabalus, a bird of paradise. And he ate it, but it apparently didn't work to provide him immortality because two years later he was killed by the Praetorian Guard. (laughs) So yeah, don't don't go trying to harvest a phoenix for your own lifespan. That's so crappy. Yeah, that's terrible. Other historical figures who were enamored with the phoenix, Queen Elizabeth I, as well as Mary, Queen of Scots, and Jane Seymour, who was the mother of Edward IV, they all used the phoenix in their personal emblems and crests and seals and whatnot. Mythical. Yeah. Going back in time, in ancient Egypt, there was a 
a very phoenix-like creature that looked like a heron, and it was called a Bennu, and it was seen as an avatar of the god Osiris, and the Bennu was associated with the flooding of the Nile and bringing wealth and prosperity to the land. A little more water-associated. Yeah. I think there's a cafe in town called Bennu. I think you're right. Let's look into that later. Mm-hmm. I could go for some coffee. Yeah. But the phoenix has been included in many religious texts as well, including early Jewish and Christian texts. And the creature is also considered the chariot of the Hindu god Vishnu. So a very godly type creature in many people's eyes. So as you can see, the phoenix has been an inspiration to us all for, I mean, since the beginning of time, pretty much. Yes, a storied past. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as negative aspects, because we usually include some dangers of our creatures in the show, I really couldn't find any. It's it's a pretty neutral to benevolent creature. As I said before, it'll help humankind as far as healing wounds, but... But it doesn't eat you if you get close to its nest kind no. of thing? No. Well, that's good. It... It just really reminds me of, like, an all-powerful wizard that travels across the world and doesn't really dwell in the matters of men, but can help if it wants to. And also dies and comes back. Yeah, exactly, like Gandalf. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, this wonderful big burb does not really have any sort of threatening powers to our kind. Um, unless you're an elephant, apparently. Yeah, I don't... I don't really imagine it eating those elephants. I, I don't know. How did know they what figure it, it out then? I know there was a piece of art that appeared to have been painted thousands of years ago of the phoenix carrying the elephant. So either it was in the artist's imagination, or they might have seen it happen when the phoenix was trying to transport some animals from one farm plot to another. Maybe that. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, maybe it's a cheat meal. Maybe so. <laughs> Well, then what do they eat? So they're not seen eating very often, but the ancient Greeks said that the phoenix would eat frankincense and aromatic gums to kind of play on the fact that it, it just loves those resiny, earthy flavors and smells. That is one fragrant feather puppy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, now, if you're asking the makers of Ark, the survival game on the internet that my friend Gabby loves so much... They eat sulfur. I mean, that would also make for a fragrant feather puppy, but not a good one. Right. As far as whether they are made up of fire, or if they just are combustible fellas, it's just hard to say, because it doesn't sound like humans get too close enough to them to really, like, poke at them and see if they're fleshy. <laughs> mm -hmm. But some humans have seen them and thought that they were looking at the very sun, Others see them and just see a big, beautiful red and yellow bird. So I think that they can definitely set themselves aflame, uh, maybe for show, or that could just be a sort of dramatization that artists have made. Okay. Works for me. Mm-hmm. So apart from the ARC video game, including phoenixes, I do want to talk about some of the modern representations of the phoenix. There's tons and tons and tons. Actually, that brings up a question that I meant to ask. Is it phoenixes or phoenixes? Ah, see, I have found that it can be either. Wonderful. I know, I know. I know phoenixes how much, and sphinges. I know how much you love those, those Latin plurals. <laughs> Yay. So definitely want to start by talking about 
about the mentions of the Phoenix in the Harry Potter series. So, obviously, you've got the Order of the Phoenix, the fifth book and movie. And if you're not familiar with the Harry Potter series, the Order of the Phoenix is a group of sort of good guy wizards who have bound together to fight the Dark Lord Voldemort and his Death Eaters, his um his followers. So the Order of the Phoenix, it could be an allusion to the Order kind of reforming or being reborn after Voldemort returned to power, sort of like a rebirth of the Phoenix. Certainly. And or it could be an allusion to how Harry survived the killing curse on a couple occasions. Yeah. Yeah. But canonically, it's likely that the Order of the Phoenix was named because Dumbledore was the original founder and the leader of the Order, and his Patronus and his pet fox are phoenixes. Finally, want to mention that Harry Potter and Voldemort's swans have a core of a phoenix feather. So it's, uh, it's abundant in Harry Potter lore. The same phoenix feather. Exactly, yeah. Now let's get into X-Men. In the comic book, Uncanny X-Men number 100, they get into Jean Grey sort of absorbing the power of the Dark Phoenix. Now, in the comic book, the Dark Phoenix is an extraterrestrial, immortal force of incredible power and destruction. And when Jean Grey and her friends were up in outer space, there was a solar storm that Jean was trying to protect everyone from. And while she was kind of shielding everyone from the storm, she absorbed this power And when they returned to Earth, Jean suddenly had all these incredible powers from this force of energy. She could power an interstellar transporter and do all kinds of other crazy things. But from what I could tell about the Phoenix power in X-Men, it doesn't have a lot to do with the legend of the Phoenix in our world. But Gabby, if you're listening, please do fill me in because I just, I am not making that connection myself, but help me out. Now... You're probably wondering why there is a certain state capital named after the Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona, a city born from the ruins of a former civilization. In the late 1800s, a Confederate veteran, Confederate veteran, Jack Swilling, moved into the territory, found that there were all these canals that were dug out by indigenous people that lived on the land long ago. And then he founded his own irrigation company and buildings were erected, a town came up, bada bing, bada boom, it's the capital city of Arizona now. So it was named for the Phoenix because the town was resurrected from what it once had been many years ago. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona also uses the Phoenix bird on its seals and city flag. Ork, ork. What? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm going to mention Final Fantasy again. There are items in that game called Phoenix Downs that revive dead characters. Sounds fluffy. <laughs> and then Pokemon, there's Moltres, the flame Pokemon. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. That's it's a it's a pretty obvious reference to the Phoenix, but there is actually another Pokemon that has a lot of phoenix properties and i didn't really think about it until you said that the phoenix looks like a giant peacock yeah what is it uh ho-oh yeah the legendary pokemon from the second generation it's a fire type pokemon that looks like a sort of red and green peacock and it's got a gold little peacock crest and it is known for having resurrected three dead pokemon 
Oh, snap. And turning them into legendary Pokemon as well. Oh, that's definitely inspired by the Phoenix. And since you mentioned Ho-Oh, I'm wondering if Ho-Oh's name is inspired by the Navajo word for Phoenix, the Who's-Do, or Who's-Do. Maybe. Maybe. And I, it's possible. I'm not even saying that right, so maybe it's Ho-Oh's-Do. We don't know. I don't know. I don't. Someone does. Someone does that's smarter than we. Jinichi Masuda. There's also a German breed of chicken called the Phoenix Chicken, and it has these glorious long tail feathers. Beautiful. Like a like a Phoenix bird. Yeah, no, nothing more. I just wanted to mention that. Mm. And if you're a fan of C.S. Lewis, the author of The Chronicles of Narnia, in his books The Magician's Nephew and The Last Battle, he incorporates a phoenix who is the guard of an Eden-like garden. Obviously, C.S. Lewis had a lot of Christian inspiration in his books, and you now know that the Christians were really into phoenixes as well, so... Phoenixes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So it makes sense. Yeah. Now... You forgot the big one. Igor Stravinsky's musical composition, The Firebird. A oh. very famous, I think it's like a five-act musical composition, and it's in Fantasia, among other things. Oh my gosh, you're right, yes. Yeah, there is just about a million representations of the phoenix, and I only got to gloss over it in this episode, but write into us and tell us about your favorite representations. Yes, please. So we're probably all wondering... How how are we going to become friends with a phoenix so that when I get a boo-boo, I can get some phoenix tears and heal right up? Oh, see, I was just thinking about the warm cuddles. Oh, yeah, that sounds really nice. Well, we're going to have to do a little bit of trial and error to see what what draws the phoenix's attention because they just don't seem super interested in humankind. I get it. We're We're not that interesting when your soul, your energy has been in this world for thousands of years. But if I had to guess, I would definitely try presenting maybe some some great big bowls of frankincense and other aromatic gums and just leaving them out on our little balcony. You know how you have a hummingbird feeder for the hummingbirds and Mm -hmm. you have corn on the cob for the squirrels. Leave out some frankincense for the phoenix and maybe, maybe one day it'll come in the middle of the night and... Toss a myrrh to your phoenix. (laughs) That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to linger. It's got other things to do. I don't know what it does all day. I'd love to know. Flap. It flaps. It perches. It ponders. It sings a woeful song. It sings a woeful song. It is a mysterious and wonderful beastie, and I'd love to learn more about it, but I think we might have to start by taking a little trip to Greece or Egypt, because it seems like they hang around there most of all. Yeah, maybe we can wait outside of Heliopolis and we can try to imprint on it when it becomes a chick again. Oh, man. What an experience to live in that time of of a phoenix's life cycle. Oh, how amazing. That seems like something that would, in this day and age, be on every channel of the TV. It would be a huge deal. I can imagine people today kind of huddling around its preferred nesting places and... And I can see the tabloids now. Phoenix looking wary. Phoenix looking old and sick. Yeah. When when will it pass? Yeah. See, that that right there is probably exactly why the Phoenix doesn't want to deal with humans. So, understandable. Yep. Yeah, I, I say we just give it lots of space. But maybe we can just start by leaving out a nice bowl of frankincense. It'll work. 
One can only hope. Yeah. So now let's get on to the rating of our friend. If you've never listened to our show before, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. We have a four-tier rating system that describes how easy it is to become friends with our featured friend of legend. The first tier is friend-shaped. This creature wants to be your pal. They want to take selfies with you. They want to go to the coffee shop with you. They want everyone to know that you're a good friend to them. They'll get I'm with stupid t-shirts with you. Yeah! Aww. I'm imagining... (laughs) Now I really want to make a tiny I'm with stupid t-shirt for a little baby gnome. (laughs) Oh, sweet. That's cute. Next up is Cheeky Friend. They're the kind of friend that would get an I'm with stupid t-shirt, but not give you one, so you're the stupid. Oh, no. Uh, Think of something like the Kaso Obake. Thirdly, we have Spicy Friend. This is someone who would probably burn all your t-shirts just because you upset them. Think of something like the Thunderbird. Lastly is not a friend yet. The kind of creature that would eat you and then wear your t-shirts. Something like (laughs) something like the Vodunoi. Oh man, he's gonna get that t-shirt all swampy. Mm. What would you rate the beloved Phoenix? So if our four-tier rating system was a circle instead of a line, I would put it on the line between not a friend yet and friend shaped where they meet back yeah, in the middle. Yeah, I was thinking the same. There are no recorded instances of a person becoming friends with the phoenix, except in Harry Potter. Yeah. And it is also nothing but beneficial. Yeah. You mentioned Harry Potter and there were many references to the phoenix in pop culture that I, I couldn't go into, but I did briefly see some storybooks for children about phoenixes becoming friends with little kids and it's definitely something that people at least like to idealize and i certainly hope that it is more common than we believe but yeah i mean i would definitely agree with you doesn't sound like they are super interested in us but they have helped humankind before chalk it up to another one of those creatures that we would rate as sad friend oh, if sad no. friend was a <laughs> sad friend was a tear <sighs> I just... Why does it have to be that the coolest friends of legend are the ones that don't want to hang out with you? The cool kid in school. The cool wizard. The cool wizard. That's what makes you want to hang out with them. Yeah, they play hard to get. They're so aloof. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode about phoenixes. I hope you had a blast. If you liked what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to us on whatever podcast player you use. Or tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend of legend. Yeah, we're all friends of legend. The creatures are friends of legend, and we're friends of legend. We're friends of friends of legend. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all applicable. It's, it's all, all good. Friends all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> if you want more friends of legend content, feel free to visit friendsoflegend.com, where we have neat time videos, frequently asked questions, and a place where you can ask us questions of your own. We would absolutely love to hear your ideas for new friends of legend to talk about. And if you're a social media socialite, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll post updates throughout the week, and we would be happy to have you in our community. And remember, new episodes come out every Saturday. Thank you again for listening. And remember, when it comes to Friends of Legend, charm them. Do not harm them.
Man, it sounds like the Phoenix has more herbs and spices in it than KFC. Oh no, don't eat it! Do not eat. Well, y'all. Well, well y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holiday. Oh man. Okay. <laughs>